Hello, I am the host of Shifting Culture, Joshua Johnson. I just want to come on before the episode and tell you all thank you for listening. Did you know that big things are coming for Shifting Culture and you can be a part of it? We have just launched a Patreon. When you become a monthly patron to the show, you will get our episode ad-free, get early access to episodes, be able to download episode guides, and get bonus shows. Go to patreon.com slash shifting culture to support all that we are doing. Your support means that we can continue to help the body of Christ look more like Jesus. Again, go to patreon.com slash shifting culture. Thank you so much. Now, on to the episode. At the same time, my daughter started having, the only way I can describe it is like demonic nightmares. She would have these nightmares where she, she was seeing these um, spirits that were saying, we're going to torture the girls in Nepal that we've been rescuing. And she'd wake up puking because they were so intense. And so in the mornings, she'd be like crying, daddy, make them stop, make them stop. And, you know, as a heart, as a dad, you're just dying inside. And so she's having recurring nightmares. Uh, we don't know what's going on. And then all of a sudden, uh, on Monday shows up and we don't have payroll for Friday. And I just lose it. And I went out to be alone with Jesus and just bawled and I cried like I never cried before in my life. And I closed my eyes. And it was the only time in my life I saw a picture of Jesus. And he was crying. And I heard a voice say, Ryan, you've never cried alone. Every time you've cried, I've cried with you. Hello, and welcome to the Shifting Culture Podcast, in which we have conversations about the culture we create and the impact we can make. We long to see the body of Christ look like Jesus. I'm your host, Joshua Johnson. Go to shiftingculturepodcast.com to interact and donate. And don't forget to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast app to be notified when new episodes come out each week. And go leave a rating and review. It's easy. It only takes a second and it helps us find new listeners to the show. Just go to the show page on the app that you're using right now and hit five stars. It really is that easy. Thank you so much. And join us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, threads, YouTube, at Shifting Culture Podcast. You'll find us. I post a lot of video clips and quotes. It would be great to interact with you on social media. So come find us. Previous guests on the show have included Craig Greenfield, Drew Hyun, and Beth Paz. You could go back, listen to those amazing episodes and more. But today's guest is Ryan Skoog. Ryan is co-founder and president of Venture, a nonprofit that works in the toughest places of the world, serving war refugees, trafficked people, oppressed children, and the unreached. Venture has planted thousands of churches that serve in their own communities to rescue girls from trafficking, start farms, and train in micro-enterprise and feminine hygiene, leading to generational transformation. Ryan co-authored the books Chosen, a 30-day devotional, and the forthcoming Lead with Prayer. He and his wife, Rachel, enjoy adventuring with their two ginger-headed kids and the newest addition to the family, Kai Sin Thant. Ryan and I have an incredible conversation about leading with prayer. As Ryan and his teams go to the toughest places on earth, they have to rely on prayer. It's crucial, but prayer isn't just for people on the front lines in hard places. It's for us all. We learn from the global church what an intentional prayer life looks like. We talk about wasting our time with Jesus and friendship, tithing our time to the Lord, the allure of chasing influence rather than obedience, the importance of intentionality in creating our own personal liturgy, and we really hit on what it looks like to pray through tough times. So join us as we learn from the global church what leading with prayer looks like. Here's my conversation with Ryan Skoog. Well, Ryan, welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to have you on. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, man, just so excited. It's going to be a good one. I want to dive deep into prayer. But, you know, first of all, I'd love to hear a bit about your story. Uh, what makes you tick? Why are you in love with Jesus? And so what is uh, your passion in the world? Yeah, that's so funny. You said, why do you love Jesus? I a friend of ours was just recently able to share the gospel with the president of Nepal, which is a dangerous endeavor because it's illegal to proselytize there. And the, 
the president goes, give me three reasons why you follow Jesus. And at that moment, she looked at the president and said, I can't because I got thousands. And I just love that answer. It's like, why you love Jesus? I, I got thousands of reasons. But um, no, I, I met the Lord at a very young age and uh, went through multiple different denominations from Episcopalian to Baptist to some as a God and love it all. And my, my dad is a young kid. Uh, he never took us to Disney World. He was in the travel business, but he never took us to Disney World. He took us to refugee camps in Mozambique as kids. And that was our experience. And right away, got to see God working in some of the most frontier, miraculous, early church types of ways. And I was like, this is life, man. I want to be a part of this my whole life. And so that's where it really came to know the Lord is through seeing his church expound on the very pioneer and frontier areas. And, um, and so then as a college kid, I was doing whatever I could do to help the uh, underground church in China and places like that. And a friend of mine had a dorm dream and said, dude, let's, you know, because it's about you did for dorm dreams, dude, let's bike across the country and raise money for missions and thought, well, that sounds awesome. And I said, I didn't know you're a cyclist. And he's like, oh, I'm not. I was like, do you have a bike? He's like, no. He's like, do, do you have any money? No. Do you know how to raise money? No. So when do you want to go? He's like two months. And somehow we we're able to pull it off. And uh, and then a guy named Don Miller, who wrote Blue Like Jazz, he went on one of our tours, wrote about it in his next book. That became a New York Times bestseller. And there's this whole thing taking off of doing tough things. And really, when we wanted to do tough things to raise funds, we really wanted to get to the tough places. And Venture is the organization that was birthed out of that. And it's called, it means Venture means go to a difficult or dangerous place. And for us, that's three uns. So it has to be unsafe. So large amounts of trafficking or war or conflict and child soldiering or oppression it has to be unreached. So they haven't heard the gospel or don't have access to the gospel. And then it also has to be under-resourced. And that means less than 1% of Christian giving goes to those areas. And we figure if it's unsafe, there's, they've never heard Jesus and, and no one's funding those areas, that's where we want to be. And there's, there's two things you get to see there. You get to see heroes and miracles. And, and for the past, you know, more than a decade, we've been able to um, serve, literally see literally thousands of churches planted and out of the churches, training the church to be able to rescue girls in trafficking and to, to do community development and to be able to restore uh, a kid, girls who've been either slaves or uh, young boys who've been conscripted to the army or things like that, watching the church be the vehicle to really see some of these injustices reached and and whole villages where the brothel shuts down because so many people become a Christian and just wild, wild stories. And so you get to see miracles and you get to see heroes. And and we've had m several of our partners uh, gave their life this past year for the gospel. And, 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 and we have another dozen or so that have been in prison. So it's really difficult heroic stuff, but we get to see both of those things. Well, I know that, you know, as we go out to the hardest places on earth and we go to the frontiers, we're pioneering in new places, we're going to unreached and unresourced places. Uh, prayer is crucial. It's foundational. If you don't, if you're not a praying person, um, if you don't engage in, in spiritual warfare, you don't engage in prayer at all, uh, you're going to get eaten alive, to, to be honest. It's uh, it's really, really hard. I mean, we have missionaries around the world in some of the hardest places on earth, and it's the amount of time that we spend in prayer uh, and on pastoral care and help uh, with the, the heart issue and engaging in, in the spiritual lives of people is enormous. Why... Why do you say I want to engage and I want to enter into a place where I'm I'm writing a book on on prayer uh, and lead with prayer? Why do you think it's so important that prayer is at the forefront of what we're doing as leaders? Yeah, no, it's it started out of two things. One, I looked at my leadership library and I had a shelf full of books that were showing me how leaders lead, and I had no books telling me how leaders pray. And, and at the same time, we're sitting at the feet of the exploding global church saying, can you teach us how to follow Jesus? We're, we're uh, hitting some headwinds here in the West. Why don't we sit at the feet of the global church where Christ is exploding and the church is exploding and say, 
you've got a lot to teach us. And as we started digging into it, it, there wasn't a particular leadership principle that was fueling the growth. It was a prayer life. And it was a culture of prayer. And and I at the same time read in, in Samuel where Samuel actually says, God forbid I sin by failing to pray for you. And it just had this holy moment of going, does God hold leaders to a different standard of prayer? To the point that Samuel said, it's a sin if I don't even pray for those that I'm leading. Really convicted. And so wanted to go on that journey and invited Peter Greer, who has a, a lot of coverage in, uh, in countries that he knows people in the South America and in Africa. And Cameron Doolittle, who you'll hear from as well, has a, a bunch of connections in the Middle East and 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 Ventures co- has some coverage there. So between the three of us, we did 100 hours of interviews of, of leaders across the world from six different continents whose leadership covers over 100 different countries. And we simply asked a, one question that led to all kinds of incredible discoveries. And the question was, what's your daily prayer life look like? What are your prayer habits? And we started noticing patterns that were happening between a, a business, a praying business leader in America and, and a, a praying person who is a woman who's working in a, a refugee camp, a war zone for decades. Any leader who decides to get intentional about their prayer life, it's it started looking like their prayer life looked like it looked similar. These patterns emerged. And so any leader that gets intentional about praying, it seems the Holy Spirit leads them to a similar place, a similar habit, similar patterns. And, and that was so, that was our big eureka. And we thought, wow, we've got to be able to uh, mine these patterns. And yeah, every chapter of the book is one of the patterns that we saw and are interviewing all these leaders. And I'm telling you, they were life-changing to sit down and talk to leaders about how they prayed. Mm. I, I mean, I love the book because it is not just inspirational, uh, where I think a lot of times inspirational prayer books give us this like, hey, these are heroes out there. I can't really enter into it. Like, I'll let them do it. And it's really hard. But you also give very practical steps and saying, here's a practice that you can engage in and walk in so that you can build your prayer life. What I want to start in is this matrix that you have at the beginning um, of the common approaches to prayer, uh, because I love a good matrix. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm. I, so full disclosure, I, I also have an MBA in entrepreneurship, and I've started several travel technology companies. And so those companies actually help fund all the admin adventures. So I split my time back and forth between uh, the the marketplace leadership and and mission world, and um, and so I I love myself a good two by two, and, and being able to sit down and and I gotta tell you we talked to some business leaders that pray more than past the most pastors they're they're incredible so no one's off the hook as far as having a dynamic prayer life as as someone who follows Christ you know, regardless of your leadership venue. Our director of pastoral care came to me and said that you know I'm interviewing. Uh, you about this book, Lead with Prayer. And he he said that he had somebody come in about 25 years ago and interview a bunch of pastors on their prayer life. And he said through the, the interviews, it was about the pastor spent about 10 minutes a week in prayer. It was it was heartbreaking. Yeah. And, yes. And horrible. There's something that needs to change. So because it needs to change, what what did you find? What are the what are praying leaders doing? Yeah, so we actually were we got access to a study that um, a foundation did. It was one of the largest foundations in the country, and they paid over one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to study the prayer lives of of praying what supposedly praying ministries and leaders and Christian leaders in America. The results were so bad they never published the study. And, and we got access to that study. And that was another huge prod to say, this is crisis level. This is something we have to be able to, to dive into and change if we're going to see God move and change our, our cities and our, and our families and our neighborhoods. And we have to be able to, to, to remedy this. And so the two by two you mentioned was talking about how you, know, you, you have prayer on one axis and you have leadership on another. And, and you have some people who have gifts of intercession and not leadership, intercessors and, and people who have a monastic heart and truly have that, 
get, are just pray, incredibly praying people. And then you've got some leaders who are tempted to lead but not become a, a prayerful leader. And that was, is what this study and what you're talking about, pastors not even praying, you know, one to 10 minutes a week. So then, then you look at, well, what's the model of a, if you have prayer and leadership combined, what does a praying leader look like? What does it, what does it look like for a leader to pray so much that it becomes a, a, a defining characteristic of who they are? And that's what we called the praying leader. And we found the praying leader largely in, in the global church. And when they say the word prayer, and we say the word prayer, we're talking about very different things. So the first interview was with Rosabelle. She has been working in a war zone in Myanmar, on the border of Myanmar and Thailand. She's a refugee herself, and she's been working there for decades. Literally, you know, landmines, she walks in jungles with landmines, and bombs go overhead, and it's an intense, intense environment. And yet she just glows with Jesus, just glows. And that first interview, I said, Rosabelle, can you tell me about your prayer habits? And she just says, oh, when I was 18, I had no money, but I wanted to tithe. And so I figured the only currency I had was my time. So I decided to start tithing my time to the Lord. And I've been praying a good two and a half hours a day, at least for the past 35 years. And I went, oh, we've got a lot to learn from the global church. And when they say prayer and we say prayer, we're talking about different things. I want to learn what they're talking about when they say prayer. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, as leaders and we're, we're sitting there, we believe that we have a lot of work to do. So we have to, I mean, I work with a lot of apostolic types, uh, missionaries where it's about go, go, go. And they say, you know, I, to be honest, I could do a lot of things in my own strength uh, and I could get things done. And I go, but I often forget, I forget sometimes, oh, I need to listen to God and see what he, he has. Is this a, a good idea or is this a God idea? Is this something that we could enter in into? How, what does it look like then to not just slap on prayer because it's a good idea, but actually like have a lifestyle of prayer throughout the day on the go? What does it look like to, to waste our time with God? Yeah. Yeah. That's you. Thanks for that. I, that's actually the first chapter of the book. The first pattern that we noticed um, when we started looking at leaders. And one of the beautiful things is we were able to talk to some leaders like John Mark Comer and Francis Chan and John Ortberg and John Erickson Tada and Tim Mackey, Gary Haugen, and these really awesome leaders who are obviously very, very busy, but they all had a very similar habit amongst all of them and in the global church as well. And we call it, we called it wasting time with God. Because when you sit down, this is actually a New York financier who gave us this phrase. He was over billions of dollars. So you talk about a busy person. And he says, no, I spend hours wasting time with Jesus. I said, wasting time? He says, yeah, that's what friends do. Friends waste time together. And so I have time with no agenda and it starts friendship first. And that it was the first chapter because it was the primary habit that we saw amongst praying leaders was that there is a friendship first approach to prayer. It's I'm going to worship. I'm going to spend time with him. I'm going to just be with him. And even though I've got emails that are you know blazing and text messages blazing and, and everything's coming, everything's demanding, I am going to separate myself and find time to just be with my savior. And out of that, Jesus actually said, hey, without me, you can do nothing. He didn't say you can't be active. You can be really active. But without me, it's that kingdom fruit is not going to happen in John 15, is what Jesus was talking about. And so out of that friendship, whether it's Francis Chan, who says, I, I just go on a walk and I just be, or Rosabelle, she talked about starting her day. She said, I just, now when she says walk, she's walking right across the river from a mine infested jungle, but she's just walking to be with Jesus. And, and having that friendship. And she said, I'll just look at a spider web and go, God, look at how intricate that spiders weave that web. Could you weave my heart that same way in my life? Could you and intricately and just starts connecting in any way, friendship wise with Jesus. And um, the other person that we, we saw that does this a lot was a very, very busy person called, um, her name was Mother Teresa. And she talked about 
there's an interview where someone said, um, what do you do when you pray? And she had, was famous for having hours of prayer each day. So she was very busy, but she spent hours praying every day, regardless of the international ministry that, that she was running. And you know, the person asked her about her prayer life and said, what, what do you do when you pray? And she said, you know, a lot of the time, I just sit there and listen. And, and the, the, uh, the interviewer was like, well, what does Jesus say? And she said, well, he just sits there and listens as well. And, and if you don't understand it, I can't explain it any other way. And there's this beautiful idea that such a friendship with Jesus, she just wastes time with her friend. And that friendship first as a, as a discipline. And again, anyone that says they're too busy, uh, we interviewed two billionaires in this book, and they both talked about wasting time with God and scheduling time with the Lord that was just not going to be, um, was non-negotiable. And, and yet in that non-negotiable time, it wasn't ticklish, it was friendship first. And it's just beautiful. Because we view things, especially in the West, we view things through the kingdom of the, the world's and in the kingdom of the world, there are a bunch of principles to say, you know, on the West, like, hey, I have to individually pick myself up by my bootstraps and I have to get it done. I have to 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 really put grit and effort into something to make it work. Uh, the kingdom of heaven often looks a little, it looks different, of course, because Jesus came for a different way, a new way, a way that we were created for. How do you contrast it, you know, working within, working within the business world, you see people within that, that world of entrepreneurship uh, and venture capital and what does it look like for billionaires, but how do we enter into a, a new way, a new way that looks more like the kingdom of heaven that Jesus brought? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jesus was always talking about how the true fruit comes out of our friendship, right? He says, is you're abiding in me, then you're going to bear a lot of fruit. And, and I, I feel like sometimes we can, uh, well, one of the things we talk about in the book is the, the, the allure of chasing influence versus obedience. And, and the idea of, you know what, you might be chasing influence on your own strength versus chasing being obedient to Christ and fruitfulness out of Christ's strength. And there's this, I, I'm just going to go there, but there's this story about the first American-born missionary was named Adoniram Judson, and he went to to uh, Myanmar where we work with Venture. And she just he... talked about Roosevelt, so you're, you're you're really going after. And we, as a as a staff, to this morning prayed for the Yao People Group of Myanmar. Wow, so we got a lot of Myanmar this morning. So oh man, <laughs> yeah, go yeah for it. it's well. <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up because there's there's actually a, a an outbreak of fighting just this past week. So. It, um, it's incredible you're praying for him. That's awesome. Um, but they, uh, so Adoniram Judson goes to Myanmar. He spent his whole life in Myanmar and he led just a handful of people to Christ. That's it for a whole missionary career. But those handful went on to lead another 800,000 people to Jesus. So he did the obedience. God does the influence. And I think sometimes we switch that around and, and mix that up and think it's, we're the ones that are supposed to create an influence. No, we're the ones to just be obedient. God does the fruit. We abide. He does the fruit. And and we call this Peter and Cam and I. You know, they're um, they're, they're very they're Harvard grad, Stanford grad. You know, you know, multiple degrees, all these things. And we said, you know what? It comes down to: Are you going to take the bet? Are you going to take the bet that spending time with Jesus is actually more productive than those extra emails you could do, that extra meeting, that extra call? And every time someone takes the bet, incredible kingdom stuff happens that you could never manufacture in a million emails or a million meetings because the Lord himself works when we pray. And that's just so powerful. And that's truly reminding us, what is our first call? Our first call is to Jesus. Our first call is to him, not, not the, all the other things. Um, and the, all the, you know, Jesus said all the other things will come after that it's it's seeking him first and so that's just a it's a, it's a challenge and a bet that every busy executive has to make every day and so we, one of the things we found amongst praying leaders was they schedule it 
It's not just random. It's scheduled and it's multiple times throughout the day. And they're all training their souls in prayer, just like somebody who's training you know, an exercise regimen. But, you know, if I, if I showed up at a gym and 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 all there's this all this exercise equipment is there and I'm like, ah, I just mess around here and that machine and I mess around on that machine and I leave. That's most people's prayer life. There's no schedule. There's no there's no like intentionality. But if I come in and I've got a, a, a list of workouts, like a, a you know, actually scheduled out, um, then all of a sudden I'm going to have a much better workout. It's going to probably last longer and be more effective. And we noticed that the leaders that we talked to, it was very, very intentional. Like some were, um, most were in the morning, friendship and adoration. Some were intercession in the morning and some were friendship at night. Uh, some were doing a, a midday confession. Um, Tim Keller had midday confession because he said, halfway through the day, I've already sinned a lot and I need to sit down and confess. And and uh, he, he has another quote too, what you're talking about in the, in the mission field. He said that for, for a Christian, prayerlessness is detrimental, but for a Christian leader, it's death. And and it's just powerful. But then the the other thing we noticed is that these leaders, as far as scheduling the time, um, we, we actually have a tool that we created in the book where you can like have different focuses for different days, where some days are, um, you know, adoration and, and connection and other days are intercession and other days are covering your family and, and really praying for those relationships. Other days are going to be in a, in a situation where you're really praying for the lost around the world, where you just have focuses on different days. So the, the idea of intentionality, scheduling it, carving out time, you know, morning and night, and, and actually having some kind of certain Psalms and, and that you read or, or creating your own, we called it creating your own personal liturgy. And most of the leaders we in, um, interviewed, they had their own personal liturgy that they just organically developed over the years of intentionally trying to pursue a life of prayer. Can you uh, give me an example from your own life of what you do to engage in prayer? Uh, what is something that works for you? Yeah, yeah. I, so for, for me, it started really simple. Um, of every morning, I was going to roll out of my bed onto my knees, and and I I just started doing this using a psalm. And a lot of leaders we talk to, it's a psalm or a, a an old ancient prayer or a hymn. But the idea of that instant connection in the morning became so vital because inst- you know, it starts changing your your mindset and your brain to start focusing in on on the Lord. And then the, for me, and I started taking a walk of friendship. After I met with Rosabelle, I started getting way more intentional on the morning walk of friendship. And instead of just diving into all the things I need to pray about, really spending time listening, praising, adoring, um, just talking and sharing. It's just powerful. And then uh, I like to do uh, intercession at night. And what I did is I have a calendar where during the week, I focus like Mondays, I focus on my family on Tuesdays are focusing on the ministry on Wednesdays. It's confession and, and repentance on Thursdays. I'm really praying for the nations. And on Fridays, I call it salvation Friday. And I really pursue the Lord and praying for unsaved neighbors and friends and family members and coworkers. And, and then on uh, Saturdays is a day of character, personal character, and really diving into the, you know, the, the fruit of the spirit and leadership as personally and, and the, my roles. And then on Sundays, uh, something the Lord's led me to do is I actually don't ask him for anything. The whole day, I still spend an extended time in prayer in the morning and night, but it's all about praising. And I pretend as if he's already answered every prayer request and I'm just being with him and praising him. It's like a Sabbath rest of you, if you will, of, in my prayer times. And I tell you, it was really hard at first because I want to just right, dive into everything I want to pray for and cover and all these things. And, and the idea is, nope, I'm not asking for anything. Lord, I'm going to trust you've taken care of everything. And today I'm just going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to thank you. I'm going to be full of gratitude and gratefulness and, and walk through psalms or hymns. And it's just beautiful. And it's really revolutionized my prayer life because the idea is, oh, wait, this isn't just asking and requesting. And, and, and it, there's also being with and thanking and gratefulness. And so that discipline of having at least one day where I'm not asking him for anything has been really, really powerful. So that's kind of the the the, the intentionality that I've done. And also, I'm I'm a bit of a uh, you know kind of like bit a bit of an ADD kind of like guy myself. And so I developed these prayer cards where on the front of the card has uh, several scriptures, 
And on the back, it has an interactive prayer. And I've got about 52 of these different cards. So I can just pull out seven of them and, and you, you pray maybe five, six, seven minutes through each card. And all of a sudden, I've prayed more than half an hour. And then I start walking and praying. And then it's really, if you get intentional about it, that muscle gets stronger and stronger and it gets easier and easier to spend more and more time with Jesus and more miraculous things happen. I think we all need to to get started. We need some handholds. We need some things to to walk in and step. I think, you know, as we we train missionaries and a lot of people, when you have new believers, they say, you know, how do you pray? Teach us how to pray. Uh, and a lot of people, I think, just say, hey, it means just talk to God. So just do what you want and talk to God. And that's not very helpful as first steps. If you have some people, some leaders are listening and say, oh man, my prayer life is not where it needs to be. And I'm not leading, uh, I'm not a prayerful leader. I'm trying to rely on my own strength. And they want to take some first steps. What would you say to them? How can they start? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so one, these these prayer cards that I developed pr- for my own prayer life, um, these are available now for free on the Echo Prayer app. You can download the app and use, it's called Guided Prayer. And it's just a handful of scriptures where you slowly read through the scriptures multiple times, kind of an Electio Divina style. And then on the back, there's an interactive prayer. And you can just pull out, like, like we talked about that workout uh, analogy, it's kind of your little workout plan for each of your days. And you can just pull out a handful of the cards and and start really having letting the Psalms guide you through. And if you don't if you don't have these cards uh, at our website leadwithprayer.com, we're going to make these available as well, or people can buy a, a uh, n- not making any money by any means, and it's it's just going to be at cost. But making these car- prayer cards available where they can get a, a paper copy because sometimes you don't want to phone around when you're praying; it gets too distracting. Um, but the other thing is, uh, you can learn to pray through the Psalms. And, and that idea of just taking some time to read a psalm devotionally. And, and in the West, we're so fast. We, we want to just blitz through something. Um, I talk to our partners. They'll, they'll grab a psalm and they could just read it over and over. And they say, maybe by the fifth time, it really starts sinking into my spirit. By the fifth time, it really starts getting in. And, and so the idea of slow down and slow pause and, and really let um, the presence of God fill that time that you've given him. And, and you're right. It, a lot of us, we, you know, if we don't have some type of guide, whether it's an ancient prayer or a psalm or something, you're right. Our mind just starts wandering and we think of all the stuff we want to, we need to be doing. Well, well, you know, right now, while well, we should be praying, we're thinking about all that. So having, having guides like that or tools like the prayer cards or psalms or things of that nature become so helpful. And nowadays, I actually don't have to bring my cards along. I've memorized so many of the Psalms and so many of the, that, that it's just, I can just walk and start quoting these Psalms to the Lord. And for me, Psalm 63 is my, my wake up Psalm. Like I get out and get on my knees and I just walk through Psalm 63. And I'll tell you by the end of it, I can just feel my heart and my mind and my spirit just kind of longing to be with Jesus. It's beautiful. Now there's this study that we cite a lot and we talk about how leaders are made and how they and they grow and and this was was done throughout the world with different nations and about 73% of them said through personal experience so through experience or they said adverse situations really difficult times or challenging assignments things that were really hard and difficult and i think that grows us a lot but i think if we're in these times and i know i've been in in plenty of of tough difficult situations in my leadership, in my life. And I needed to to have Jesus with me in it. I can't do it on my own. How can we start to pray through these difficult times that it starts to to help us walk through them in a way that's, that's fruitful and helpful um, and it doesn't ignore that Jesus is, is crucial in the midst of it? Yeah, that's, that is that's such a great question. And that's something we definitely encountered amongst the leaders that we talked through is that all of them had a story of what 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 we kind of termed carpet time where they they're on their face before God calling out to God because they had nowhere else to go and and it seems you know in, in Psalm 23 
it, there's an interesting thing that happens that is right in plain sight. It switches from third person to first person in the middle of the psalm. So it starts off going, the Lord is my shepherd and he does this and he does this and, you know, he, he makes me light on green pastures, lead me aside to water, it restores my soul. And then it switches to first person. And it's, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod, your staff, you prepare a table. And it switches in first from third person, the Lord, to first person, you, in the valley. And almost every leader we talked to had an experience of when the, things got really rough, their relationship with God went from the Lord to you, Jesus, you were there for me. And my, my story of that was actually during COVID. Um, I joke that t- 2020 was the year that I got used to the smell of my carpet. Um, cause night after night I'd lay on my carpet, just crying out to God. I, the companies I run, uh, and started and, and own, um, along with my brother are travel technology companies. And so we got hit so hard during COVID. We ended up having, um, to lay off, uh, around a hundred employees and, and we went from selling 1500 tickets a day to one ticket a day in, in three weeks. And there's just no, there's no business plan in business school on how to deal with that one. And, and, and so it was, you know, um, at the same time, my daughter started having, I, the only way I can describe it is like demonic nightmares. She would have these nightmares where she, she was seeing these, um, spirits that were saying, we're going to torture the girls in Nepal that we've been rescuing and. She'd wake up puking because they were so intense. And so in the mornings, she'd be like crying, Daddy, make them stop, make them stop. And, you know, as a heart, as a dad, you're just dying inside. And so she's having recurring nightmares. Uh, we don't know what's going on. And then all of a sudden, uh, on Monday shows up and we don't have payroll for Friday. And I just lose it. And I went out to be alone with Jesus and just bawled and I cried like I never cried before in my life. And I closed my eyes and it was the only time in my life I saw a picture of Jesus and he was crying. And I heard a voice say, Ryan, you've never cried alone. Every time you've cried, I've cried with you. And, and in that moment, I, I don't know how to explain it any other way, but I was so overwhelmed with the love of Jesus in that moment that it didn't matter. And when I'm saying it didn't matter, like, didn't have payroll on Friday, might lose in my life savings, everything. My daughter has nightmares. I mean, this is really intense. And at that moment, I just thought of Jesus who cries with everyone who cries every time they cry. And that's the love of our Savior. And in that moment, I knew we'd be okay. And the Lord brought through uh, some miraculous uh, bridge loan. And then the very next night, we had this incredible prayer time with my daughter and we took communion. And and she, that, that night for the first time in three months, didn't have a nightmare. And so I said, well, let's, let's take communion again. And so we took communion again. And, and I said, all right, well, kids, we're Catholic. We're taking communion every night. And, and, and that's been for now for two years now, uh, over two years. Every night as a family, we take communion. And I bought one of those big boxes of Amazon, you know, the communion cups and Buy them in the 100, not the 500, because the 500, it gets really nasty by the time you get to the end of that. Um, you know, it's like real, real communion wine. But, but it, it was a, an incredible moment of rescue that Christ came to us that we mark now, you know, every night by taking time to stop and be grateful for the cross and grateful for the death and grateful for, for Christ. And it's transformed our family. Um, and we've seen amazing miracles happen since. And, and you know, in the, in the ministry on the venture side, literally thousands of churches have been planted in just the past few years. A huge breakthrough came out of those tough times. And we we sat down with um, Johnny Erickson Tata, who clearly you know she she wrestles with some of the most debilitating diseases, but also most painful diseases. And and she said, you know, I used to pray eighty percent of the time for healing. And, and 20% of the time that I'd be obedient in the midst of the, the, the struggle. And she said, over the years, it's changed to where 80% of the time I'm saying, God, help me be faithful. And, and I still pray for healing, but I spend more of my time praying to help me be faithful in the midst of this. And, and hearing that out of her is just, oh, man, the, 
the, the beauty that comes out of somebody who's been squeezed and Jesus comes out, it's just, it, it, it is, well, it's like an alice, a broken alabaster jar with a perfume comes out of somebody's life. So we, we have a phrase now that, uh, that leaders, leaders, we noticed during the tough times, they don't grit it out, but they pray it through. You know, the, and it was the leaders that were able to pray it through. We, we had one other leader. If you want to, I want to, I want to hit something real um, American church wise. Um, he was a, a mega church pastor who was hitting a, a tough time, but in a, a very different way. He was feeling a, a loss in his own, a disconnect in his own soul from Christ to the point where he felt like he was about to be one of those statistics of a minister who's going to fall. And he went to his board and actually confessed to them. I, I feel, and he had thousands of people, multiple campuses in his church. And he said, I feel like if I keep going like this, I'm going to be another you know, tragedy that I'm going to be one of those ministers that fall. And, and the, the board said, well, okay, we'll pray about it. And they came back and they said, well, show us your schedule. And he started showing him his schedule. And, you know, he, he was so busy. He would do two breakfast meetings every morning to meet with all the people he had to meet with. And sometimes two lunches to meet with everyone he had to meet with. And, and they're like, where, where's your time for Jesus? And so the board mandated from seven to nine every morning, it's him and Jesus not sermon prep, him and, and the scriptures and prayer and worship. And he said, after a couple of weeks, it's, something started to change. And all of a sudden he fell in love with Jesus again. And all that, that, that part inside of him that was just longing to bust out and, 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 and become a tragedy was completely healed. And, and God, basically a prayer life saved uh, a, a, another tragic story of a a mega church pastor falling. So you talk about tough times, they can come from both angles, both from outside pressure or inside. And, and still the same, the answer is the same, pressing in, praying through versus trying to grit it out. A couple of things stood out uh, through that whole section of you talking about your own story and other people's stories is one is the importance of, of other people and community through those hard times and, and saying, we have to get back to prayer. We have to do different things. And even with you and your daughter saying, we, uh, we're going to take communion. We're going to take communion every day as the embodied presence of Jesus that you felt that Jesus was praying with you. And he's present. He's present in the, in the, in the wine and he's present in the, in the bread. He's, he's there, his body and his blood. He's it's the embodied presence of Jesus is so important to lead us through these times and just to get us through every day and you're you're right the people that have gone through these these difficulties and live with it over time that have debilitating diseases and difficult things are really the ones that have uh if they're close to jesus they have the most joy right and i don't like i don't know how that happens but they have the most joy because they have to say that Jesus is present with me in everything that I'm going through. And what you said about Mother Teresa, as I listen, Jesus listens, he's present. And I think that the presence of Jesus in our daily life and in our prayer life is the thing that will propel us forward, that He, we know that he's not just a God that is out there and up there, but he's God with us. Uh, and he's present in our, in our daily lives. And I, I love those stories. I think they're so crucial and helpful for us. Yeah. Thank, thanks. There's a, a phrase that came out of our study was that sometimes the sometimes when we're praying, God answers in a miracle and other times he answers in a moment of his presence and both, both are miracles and both are beautiful. And, and sometimes the answer isn't an answer, but it's just a moment. Even in Job at the end, there wasn't really like a clear answer. But there is a moment before Almighty God in his presence. It was such one of the greatest manifestations of God in the Bible is actually Job. And and having that incredible encounter. He's like, okay. Okay. We can keep going on. And that's just beautiful. Ryan, this uh this conversation has been very helpful. If you can tell our listeners and tell your readers something that you would love for them to get out of this this book. What would you you say to them? Yeah, um, 
for for sure there there's uh, one leader that was trying to institute prayer in his organization amongst his team and all these things but nothing was working and he went and asked the lord what's happening and the lord said it's because you're not praying you can't multiply by zero is what the lord said to him and that mathematically is true and it, and it works in the kingdom and and so i we really realized that as a leader there is virtually nothing more important than a leader learning to become a person of prayer if jesus had to become a person of prayer obviously we're gonna have to we're not better than him. He said, no student's better than his master. And 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 so could you imagine what could happen if leaders and mass decided to take that bet and waste time with Jesus, schedule it, get intentional about it, and take the same intentionality that we have towards our leadership, put that towards our prayer life and become praying leaders. It could change everything. It could change everything. And 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 uh there there's I mean there's even we even saw studies of physiologically tw- over 20 minutes of prayer for 8 weeks starts changing the the synapses in your brain so much so that you can actually see it on a brain scan that's how true like when when you say prayer changes everything it literally changes your brain and opens up to being more more gracious and more charitable and kind and 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 the anxiety side of your brain gets smaller and smaller so like you can actually measure the presence of Jesus in someone's life on a brain scan with even just 20 minutes a day over eight weeks. So I want to just challenge every leader to see what does it look like to get up to an hour a day. That's kind of like the bare minimum of the global church. They want every believer praying an hour a day, and then leaders are supposed to pray more. Um, But getting an hour a day in prayer and scripture and seeing what can happen over time in your life as you take that challenge and schedule it and guard it like like you're spending time with the king, like your most important meeting of the day, like guard it, like the most important thing that you have to do. And I promise that that Jesus doesn't disappoint. He said, you abide, there's going to be fruit. There's going to be fruit. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. And so um, yeah, I, that's probably one of the big challenges is to take that same intentionality that leaders have towards leading and put that put that intentionality towards their prayer and to become a praying leader. And then, and then obviously out of that, you can lead cultures of prayer. And if leaders are leading culture, praying leaders are leading cultures of prayer, everything's going to change. As we are training our missionaries to go out, what we say is we want them at their, their personal prayer time, you know, at least an hour a day that you're personally, and then part of ministry time, as you're going out, you have at least 10% of your ministry time is prayer. That you are, are saying this is this is our ministry time. This isn't just this is our work time, and it's ten percent has to be prayer. And if not, you know, I I haven't seen any of our missionaries around the world to bear much fruit that we're looking for. For saying we want to bear much fruit and see it, uh, it's the praying praying ones that are are bearing fruit. And it seems counterintuitive, but it's really not in the kingdom. This is what life in the kingdom looks like. Yeah. It, so interestingly enough, we, we started studying the life of Jesus and the bigger the crowds got and the more engagements he got, the more it, it actually mentions he got away and prayed, not less. And and so it's a, we started counting up how many times, and there's this funny phrase, if you want just a tiny Greek nerd moment, um, that when it talked about Jesus, it didn't say he... Ought, he didn't just say he often withdrew and prayed. That's a phrase you see a lot. But the real translation is he was a withdraw away in prayer. Like it was one of those things like, you know, there's some people that, you know, they, they, they golf, but they're not a golfer. You know, when you say a golfer, you're somebody else or, or like people, you know, that like there's some people that complain, but some people are complainers. Like they do something so much that it becomes who they are. Well, that verbiage was to Jesus. It said he was a withdraw away in prayer. Like that was the phraseology. It was just, he did it so much. It was who he was. And, and that actually starts when, when the ministry starts getting intense. And so this kingdom, this kingdom kind of mentality that Jesus modeled was things get busier. So I'm going to pray more. I just love that. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Uh, you know, I think in the West, we have a lot of people that are in, in despair and they think that there's decline in the church. It's really difficult. But you're you're seeing 
the global church. You were interviewing a lot of global leaders. I think there's a lot of hope in the global church, but even, you know, with venture, you're working with in difficult places with hard things, with refugees, with women that are trafficked and you're, you're trying, trying to help in those spaces. What gives you hope as you look at the global church? Oh man, uh, the global church is exploding in an unprecedented way. Uh, we looked up, you know, at the Global Center of Christianity in Gordon College, and they're saying numerically we've never seen more people coming to Jesus than now. We so we're we're truly living through such an exciting time that I believe we'll go to heaven and like David and Moses instead of us going, man, what was it like to be, you know, on Sinai? They're going to be like, what was it like to be a part of the greatest revival? the world had ever seen. That's what we're living through. It's that, and that's not hyperbolic. There's data to back that up. I'm, I'm a data nerd myself, you know, MBA and all this stuff. So, but really it's, and, and we see that with the global church where um, uh, Esther, she's 26 and and she just not turned on to knowing Christ and and the value that Christ brings. And she was grew up thinking she was in a low caste and that Jesus says, no, you're part of my family. And so she had to go tell other people in villages. So she went to another village and they had two crippled boys and they both get up and start walking and the whole village becomes to Christ. And then she goes to another one and and start, another miracle happens and all these people come to Christ. And that's just one. And she's walking through all these tiger infested jungles. And that's just one person that I can give you thousands of stories that we get all the time of how there is just an unstoppableness to the, an explosion of the church in the unreached areas that's happening. And, and we get to be a part of it. It's incredible. So I, I can go off all day, so I, I'll, I'll stop myself there. But I, I get really excited about what God's doing. And, and what an honor that we can be a part of that. Yes, yes, I agree wholeheartedly that there is a lot of incredible things that are happening around the world. And I, I want people to get engaged in that. So grow your prayer life. And I, I think that if we spend time with God, he's going to send us either in, in help or support, sending or going to the nation's uh, that's his heart. He wants to bring all peoples to himself. And so it's going to happen when we start to pray um, yeah. and get time what, with him. What, one of the things that I, I've learned in my prayer life is, uh, on it's actually Wednesdays now I do this. I say, God, what's your prayer list? I've had my prayer list for a while. What's yours today? And I'll got to tell you, some of the stuff he tells me to start praying about, I, I'll just start crying and praying for this uh, a nation. And, and all of a sudden, something will open up and we're going to start reaching into that whole new nation. So these things come out of just wasting time saying, what's your, what's on your heart? What's your prayer list? And, and most of my life, the, the great things that have happened have come out of those moments where, and just spending time and he says, Hey, can you pray for this? Okay. I'll start praying for that. And then, and then a little breadcrumb will be like connected to that prayer. And then you follow that one. And then, and there's what an adventure that happens. Yeah. Yes. So good. A uh, couple quick questions uh, at the end, Ryan. One, if you go back to your 21-year-old self, what advice would you give? Yeah, definitely get a hold of this prayer idea sooner than later in my life. Absolutely. Um, I would also say, don't worry about the influence. Just be obedient. And and I think there's such a, uh, you know, if America has a local God, it's fame, it's money and influence. And and I think all those things, if we don't have them, we feel uh, second rate. And even in God's kingdom, you know, you talk to Christians and they feel second rate. And the idea is, no, just be with your friend Jesus, surrender and obey. And it's just that is a that's an awesome life. And so I think I I wish I would have learned some of those lessons a little earlier. The 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 intentionality in prayer and the idea of surrender and obedience and just walking with my friend Jesus where he wants us to walk. Mm. Anything you've been reading or watching lately you could recommend? Yeah, um, boy, well, I'd be see I've been reading lots and lots of books on prayer. Anything by E.M. Bounds. Um, I, I jokingly tell people, I read dead people. I want to read people that are not drinking from the same cultural well that I'm drinking from. And, and so uh, lately I've been diving into um, anything that's written by Spurgeon or Ian Bounds or some of these older folks. And, and that's been really, really powerful. So I, I just encourage you to drink, you know, to, to learn from somebody that's not drinking from the same cultural well. And that's why the global church is so powerful. 
because they're not drinking from the same cultural well we are, and they they have a completely different uh, perspective when they read scripture or all these other things. So yeah, that would be what's really been helping. I've also been diving into ancient prayers and using ancient prayers in my prayer practice, uh, whether it's from Anselm and that and um and oh some of the Augustine and Clement of Rome and Francis of Assisi, and there's a wealth of beautiful beautiful prayers um, that that I just pray and uh, St. Patrick, all these ones. So those are two things I would recommend. Awesome. That's so good. How can people connect with you, get your book? Where would you like to point people to? Yeah. Um, I think whether it's like christianbook.com, I think they have a discount on it and Amazon, that'd be great. Uh, venture.org is our website for venture. If people want to connect that way, leadwithprayer.com is where you can also get the book. And you can get some prayer cards. And we also have a bunch of free prayer tools. Our goal, I just want you to know this. I'm a, I'm a businessman. All the royalties of the book are going to, um, not to me, but going to fund 24-7 prayer rooms around the world in different places. And uh, while, while trying to write the book, um, one of the challenges, one of the leaders challenged us and said, where's prayer line item in your budget? But that's that's for Peter or Cam to talk about. But that was really yeah, but so what we're doing though is the the royal. I don't get any royalties. It's all going to fund twenty four seven prayer movements. There's free tools. There's the Echo Prayer app, free tools. There's prayer cards. We're literally just trying to see a movement of praying leaders. So if you go to leaderswithprayer.com, we've got all these tools to help you. We need more twenty four seven prayer rooms and uh, around the world. And I say that this is what we want to want to partner with. It's 24-7 prayer rooms as we're entering into hard places and countries that we want prayer to happen constantly as we're planting churches and helping people come to know Jesus. We want to be doing it all at the same time. And and so I love that you guys are are doing it. Um, so what we want to do is go buy Lead with Prayer, this book, uh, and buy boxes of it give it out to a lot of people so we could fund uh, more 24-7 prayer rooms, get more people praying so we could see great moves of God around the world. Um, and so, Ryan, thank you for this conversation. It was so good to walk through what it looks like to waste our time with God, to be on our face in difficult times, on the carpet, and to to pray and to cry and say, Jesus is there with us, crying with us. He's present, he's embodied, uh, and that as we grow our prayer life, that we can see incredible things happen. But really, if it's a miracle or if it's the presence of Jesus in our lives, it's all beautiful. And it's all something that will will propel us into, into a life that bears much fruit for him. So thank you so much, Ryan. Wow, that was so well said. I I think you just summed up the book better than anyone I've heard right there. So it's just incredible. I, I appreciate the time. And this is, um, is it, is it okay to take a moment to stop and pray for everyone who's listening? I think that would probably be appropriate. <laughs> All right. I, I know it's like a, you're asking if you can, it puts you in a box. You say, no, we don't pray. But I think you'd say, yeah. Oh, Jesus, we love you. And we just want to say thank you for being here this whole time. You promised when we're here talking about you in your name. You're here. And we just pray that you continue to enjoy being close and us, help us to continue to enjoy being with you. And Lord, well, there's a lot of people listening right now that are listening. I just pray that they would hear your voice drawing them closer to you. That there's so many things they're trying to do and juggling themselves. And you're saying, hey, it's okay to put it down and to be with me. And I will make the fruit happen. And so, God, I pray that you would give everyone here just a, a continual longing like Psalm 27 where it says, hey, my heart says, seek your face. And, oh, Lord, your face I am going to seek. I pray for that kind of heart. Or like in Psalms where it says, God, you're my God, and earnestly I seek you. I pray for that deep longing to, to stir in all the hearts of everybody listening so that as leaders, they can be praying leaders and that they can lead praying organizations. And that we would see you, by your spirit, build your church and build your kingdom in beautiful ways in our midst. That would be things that are impossible on our own strength. And help us to make that make that bet, Lord Jesus, to, to, to carve out that time and believe that it's more productive to pray 
than than just work away. And Lord, I pray that that as they waste time in friendship with you, that you would do beautiful and powerful things in the life in and through every leader. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to see more episodes like this, go to patreon.com slash shifting culture and become a monthly patron of the show. You can help us produce more episodes so that we can see the body of Christ look more like Jesus. If you become a patron on patreon.com slash shifting culture, uh, you will get early access to episodes. You will get episode guides. You will get bonus shows, hopefully, and more. So go to patreon.com slash shifting culture and become a monthly patron. Also leave a rating and review on Apple podcasts. Uh, It really helps us out and helps us find new listeners to the show and just go and share this podcast with your friends, your family, your network, people that you think would enjoy it as well. Thank you again for listening to the show. I hope you have a great week.